What's up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm here with our expert on defamation, First Amendment, copyright issues, talking about something that is precisely in Dory Hansworth's wheelhouse. And I'm very excited to talk about it today because I have been wanting to get her thoughts on this issue and we have not had a chance to preview it. So this is going to be on the fly, which is exciting for me and for our listeners. Dory, welcome back into TMT Time. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Evan. How are you? I'm doing awesome. And I'm, of course, talking about the Donald Trump Twitter banning fiasco that is now known as Joseph R. Biden v. Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia Industry, which is, of course, the Supreme Court case that doesn't exist because they didn't take cert on it for mootness, but it does exist in the mind of Justice Clarence Thomas. So I want your thoughts on Clarence Thomas's 10-page decision, quote-unquote, slash non-decision on this case, which of course deals with Donald R. Trump, the former president's removal from the Twitter platform. Donald J. Trump, yes. Not to be confused with Joseph R. Biden. Oh, that's right. You know, it's, okay. Right. it's okay. That's all right. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Do you know what the J is for? I, I think it's John. I think um, it is. I, and it R, is. Right. R is Robinette. Pretty sure about that. Oh, but wow. anyway, now that we've gone through the president's middle initials. So back in the day when Donald Trump was both the president of the United States and one of the people with the biggest Twitter followings in the world, if not the biggest, he had a practice of deleting some people from being able to comment on his on his tweets. So every once in a while, uh, someone decided that they didn't want a particular person commenting and they shut him off. And apparently on Twitter, if you don't like someone who's making comments on your Twitter feed, you can shut them off. That's one of your rights as a Twitter user. Uh, so Donald Trump did that and, uh, he, or the, you know, the office of the presidency was sued for doing that. And the argument was that Donald Trump's Twitter feed was a public forum and that it was unconstitutional. It violated free speech and the first amendment for for uh, that page to cut off any comments and everyone should be allowed to comment on Donald Trump's tweets. Uh, so that case went up and again up to the Second Circuit and uh, the court did find that the, the tweet, the Twitter page of Donald Trump was a public forum and that anyone should be allowed to comment on it. So that was the decision um, that happened. And then Twitter kicked Donald Trump off of its platform entirely. Um, in the meantime, the Trump, Trump campaign, or not the Trump campaign, but the Trump presidency, uh, filed a petition to have this case heard by the US Supreme Court. Um, and the Supreme Court decided the petition by denying it because by that time, Donald Trump was no longer the president. So the case was, was moot 
Um, and in so doing, Justice Thomas wrote a concurring opinion. And he really was talking about some very interesting legal problems and some social issues that go along with them. So his basic thesis, Evan, was how can you call something a public forum if the president can be kicked off of it? It's a private company, Twitter, that's deciding who can be on the service, who can use the platform. Um, Trump was kicked off. A lot of other people were kicked off. Um, and I think Justice Thomas is suggesting that there were some political overtones in Twitter's deciding who to kick off. Uh, so my first my first I guess, observation or question for you is, um, what do you think about that? Do you think that that Twitter, that, or maybe that Justice Thomas's commentary on this has some validity, or um, was Twitter doing the right thing when it it kicked people off? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, and it's hard to take politics out of it, as you just mentioned, given that obviously Justice Thomas is known as a so-called right-leaning jurist, and Donald J. Trump is a right-leaning or was a right-leaning president. But I, I, in this instance, agree and do have similar concerns that Justice Thomas expressed in this dissent. I have concerns about a private company's ability, unfettered, to decide who and how uh, gets to join their platform, especially when the court has designated it a public forum. And I think what Justice Thomas did here uh, was smart and should have some follow-up, which is invite our legislature to step in here and regulate the space. So should it be up to the courts to weigh in here? I think Justice Thomas is implicitly saying no, but that it may come up to them. I think he is preferring that the United States Congress step in and, and regulate. And he specifically, in addition to talking about Twitter's ability to have unfettered access or ability to uh, control access and dissemination of information, specifically by name mentions both Facebook and Google, as well as their CEOs and calling them the individuals out as having almost singular power to decide who and what goes on their platform. So to me, you know, politics aside, I, I am intrigued by this message that he sent out. I think it's being picked up on by pretty much everyone. And I guess it remains to be seen what happens on the legislative side. But Dory, I am really interested in how this has an interplay and intersection with First Amendment law. And given that you are the expert in this area, that's why I'm glad to have you on TMT time today because I don't know anything much about that specifically and I know you do. And so I'd love to invite you if you are interested in weighing in on that aspect of, sure. of what Justice Thomas raised. Sure, well, he so, so one thing that he says is that, you know, there, it's arguable that since these platforms are private, that the First Amendment doesn't really come into play. It's not the government, it's not the government sponsored uh, 
enterprise and therefore uh, taking it away from someone is not a governmental activity. Um, but then he says, but look, that that's really not what's going on here in real life. And he says that, you know, this is a quote from his concurring opinion. We will soon have no choice but to address how our legal doctrines apply to highly concentrated, privately owned information infrastructure, such as digital platforms. He's basically saying it's inevitable that there's going to have to be some regulation. And when there is regulation, then um, then the First Amendment will will clearly come into play. So right now, just to set the table, the sponsors, the platforms themselves generally don't have any liability for what is put up on the platform. And that's courtesy of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. So there's been lots of um, chatter about changing Section 230. It, um, it was thought to give platforms the ability to turn a blind eye to all sorts of terrible things that go on their platforms um, and to put their heads in the sand about things like election interference, horrific abuses, you know, just terrible, horrible things that go on the platforms. Um, and so because, because of that, those really serious problems, the platforms decided that they would start to regulate themselves. And so Facebook sort of sanitized itself. And you know, now on Facebook, um, you know, I you can get updates from like five people basically, or a very small number of people, even though you're connected with many others. Um, and flagging content, flagging all sorts of content. Um, same thing with Twitter. There was a there's a lot of self-regulation that goes on. And I think what Justice Thomas is saying is that the self-regulation is, you know, it's self-selected and it could be selected to support the interests of the owners of those platforms, which is why he calls them out by name. Um, you also see alternatives, like you saw the rise, even though Parler was a plat had exist existed for several years. You saw the rise of Parler, um, you know, in the last six months or, or eight months or so, um, at the same time that uh, Donald Trump and other uh, very loud conservative leaning voices were being flagged and kicked off of of Twitter. Um, so you saw the rise in parlor. Now you've got this uh, My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell, says he's coming out with his own platform. Um, and so you're going to have these alternative platforms. Justice Thomas is is kind of saying maybe we should have some some laws that actually apply to this. Instead of just Section 230, we could call these platforms common carriers. And then they'd be subject to some laws um, similar to your phone companies of the world, like your Verizons and so forth. Um, and he also has this idea that um, you could call these platforms places of public accommodation, um, which would invoke um, accessibility rights 
um, under the Americans with Disabilities Act and maybe some other laws. And so what he's saying is there's a danger in kicking people off these platforms um, with maybe without some objective legal oversight. And I think what he says is extremely interesting and he's thought about it a little bit and he's basically saying this is gonna have to happen soon. Yeah, I mean, I, that's why I, I agree with you. I, I read his concurring opinion with great interest for the reasons that you just mentioned, both the potential for common carrier regulation and the public space um, aspect of it. And I, I think it's a good starting point. I thought it was well-written and thoughtful. And I think really he's taking a baton and trying maybe to pass it to legislator or someone else to start the the ball rolling on what's going to happen post section 230 and is section 230 enough and i think he's implying if not directly stating that it's not enough and that we need more uh guidance on what is appropriate in this space so i don't know i guess it remains to be seen again this is another one of these we're going to do another podcast on this story once uh once draft legislation gets put together and at, on some level, whether it's at the state level or the federal level. Yeah, I think we will. I mean, one thing I'd say on this, but this place of public accommodation, you know, you can like any, any public place, like a store that you go to or whatever, you know, it has to take anybody. You can't deny someone access to a store um, certainly based on a disability, which is why stores need to have access ramps and so on. Uh, and places on the internet are uh, increasingly being adjudicated to be places of public accommodation. So Domino's Pizza, if, if a sight impaired person is having trouble ordering a pizza online, um, that website is also, you know, has been deemed to be a place of public accommodation. And there still are rules though. If you abuse your you know, right to be there, if you abuse your right to be in a store, if you're rude to the cashier, um, if you, you know, start cursing or you're there, you're, you're drunk inside the store, you're making a scene, um, they can still kick you out. Um, but you have a right to be there. And so, um, so yeah, I think Justice Thomas thinks that Twitter went too far in kicking Donald Trump off Twitter completely. And he thinks it's ironic that Trump couldn't, you know, wasn't allowed <laughs> under the law, wasn't allowed to stop commenters, but the entire platform could just cancel him. And he, I think he's talking about cancel culture here. Yeah, and I, I agree. And he, he then, when he goes into the common carrier analogy, he, you know, it's somewhat like they, the carriers control the pipes and what goes on the pipes. Uh, and they're the only ones that control it. And in that instance, the carriers are regulated like a monopoly. Uh, this is part of the net neutrality debate. There's only certain carriers that control the internet pipes and should everyone's content be allowed on that and then for search engines when he calls out Google and Facebook for social media, they have a very dominant market share. And so like Twitter, should they be allowed to dictate what goes on their pipes, so to speak? And I think you are right. I think he's 
encouraging others to, to reach the answer in the negative, but we don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the market share um, point is really important. Um, the fact that there is such market share makes it a clearer analogy to a common carrier. So um, this is definitely to be continued. Um, one of the more thoughtful uh, set of ideas on what what might have to be done about this problem that we've seen in a while. So um, I think that's all I have to say about this for right now. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate this story. It's been great to be with you again here on TMT time. Hopefully our listeners got a lot of education on issues that I think are really at the forefront today of, of technology and otherwise, and, and we will just have to be seen. So good to see you again. Yeah. Hope uh, just, everybody has a good one. Yeah. I mean, people ought to be just to, in closing, people ought to be careful because whatever, like, you know, whatever your ideology is or your politics, you know, if this can happen to someone who you don't agree with, it could also happen to someone who you do agree with. So to me, free speech is paramount to all of that stuff.